The Athletic. Hi folks, welcome to another episode of the Athletic FPL podcast. I'm Mark McGettigan. You'll find me on Twitter at FPL General. There were just four matches in game week 18, but a lot of managers still managed to score decent points for a green arrow going into the Boxing Day fixtures, which will be the halfway point in the season. Hopefully we get 10 fixtures going ahead or at least close to that number. The game week 19 deadline is Sunday at 11am UK time. There's going to be a lot of hungover transfers made close to the deadline. Due to the ever-changing FPL landscape these days, hold off on making your transfers until a few minutes before the deadline if you can. There's League Cup action this week as well with Arsenal, Chelsea, Tottenham, Liverpool, Leicester, Brentford and West Ham all in action either on Tuesday or Wednesday. According to fixtures guru Ben Crellin, it's very likely that game week 22 will be a big double game week. Some teams could also have a double game week in game week 21. All of this is very soon, so make sure to follow Ben on Twitter and he will keep you up to date on all things blank and double game weeks. The second wildcard becomes available in Game Week 21, so I think we're going to see a lot of managers wildcard in Game Week 21 with a view to bench boosting in Game Week 22 if the double is confirmed. And remember, you can't wildcard and bench boost in the same Game Week. On today's podcast, I'll do the Game Week 18 shoutouts. We have a new member joining the club. A quick game week review, update the watch list, answer Twitter questions and discuss game week 19 captaincy and transfers. If you'd like to become an Athletic subscriber, visit theathletic.com forward slash FPL pod to avail of the latest discount for new subscribers. Welcome to the 59th Minute Club, Tyler Morton from Liverpool. The only thing worse on your Premier League debut than getting sent off or scoring an own goal is getting a shout out on this podcast. Welcome to the club, Tyler, and please do not let the same thing happen again. A couple of notable mentions in terms of minutes played in the game week. Tommy Asu at Arsenal, just 63 minutes, picked up an injury. He is yellow flag now. He did get the clean sheet though because he went off before Rafinha scored the penalty. Smith Rowe also at Arsenal on the bench for the last two game weeks. 12 minutes this week, 24 minutes in the game before. But that hasn't stopped them getting back-to-back goals. So obviously Smithrow's minutes are a bit of a concern now. And there is a question about him later. Ruben Diaz at Manchester City. 69 minutes, which followed his 64 minutes in the previous game week. So good to see his minutes getting managed a little bit. Which is good news if you own him. And I think Diaz is a good transfer in now as well. At Chelsea, Chalaba picked up a knock and went off at half-time. Ziyech also yellow-flagged. He managed just 64 minutes. And at Tottenham, Regulon was on the bench. He came on and played just four minutes. Sessegnon started the game at left wing-back. So we could see a little bit of rotation and competition there for Regulon now with Sessegnon. So for that reason, Regulon has been removed from my watch list. And finally, St. Maximin at Newcastle started the game on the bench and came on for just 45 minutes. That guy always seems to be nursing some kind of injury. So I think if you're going for a Newcastle player, it's Callum Wilson or nobody at the moment. 
A quick review of how the game week went for me. I went in and I made one free transfer. I got rid of Ollie Watkins, who I just bought the week before because his game was postponed, and I replaced him with Alexander Lacazette. So that worked out because Lacazette got the assist. I played with 10 men rather than taking a hit. All week last week, I was planning to get Foden in for a minus four, but the closer the deadline got, if I was going to get Foden for a minus four to fund it, I was going to have to get either Broja, who didn't have a fixture, Gelhart at Leeds, who I didn't really want, or I was going to have to downgrade Liveramento to Amarty for a non-playing sub. So in the end, I went against a minus four and the Aston Villa postponement you know, pushed me towards selling Watkins and getting Lacazette. So in hindsight, that worked out really well because Foden didn't play. So decided against a hit in the ends because I thought it was an unnecessary minus four. I also thought I was trying to force Foden into my team. So in the end, it worked out quite well. 67 points, 19k, green arrow up to 12k. So very happy to be at 12k at Christmas time. I always try and be in the top 100k at Christmas time. To be well ahead of that target feels good. Hopefully the season calms down a wee bit now and I can push on and hopefully get another strong finish. The good and the bad. The good, Cancelo with 18, monster score. Well done if you're one of the people who captained him. Alonso with 9, James with 6, Trent with 7, Jota with 7, and also Rafinha posted 7, and Lacazette with the 5. So most players returned. The only players who didn't were Ramsdale with a 2, but I didn't mind that because I got the Rafinha points. Salah captain blank, and Bernardo also blind. Question about Bernardo later as well. So overall, the squad is looking very healthy for game week 19 if there are no postponements, which is probably wishful thinking a watch list updates i'm going to mention the players i've added and the players i've removed and then i'm going to quickly just run through i think it's 24 players on my watch list at the moment i like to do that from time to time just to give you an update of exactly who is on that watch list at the moment so players removed first of all i mentioned regulon i've removed him and i've removed his teammate ben davis as well i just don't have huge faith in Tottenham defensively at the moment but the main reason I've removed them is I'm quite happy with my defence I've got the Chelsea double up I've got Trent I've got Cancelo and I've got Liveramento and if I lose a Chelsea defender in the near future it's probably going to be for a Manchester City defender rather than a Tottenham defender so not interested in buying a Tottenham defensive asset at the moment players added to the watch list following game week 18 yet another Arsenal player I removed him last week Odegaard but he's back on it this week I think he's been very impressive recently been running the show in the Arsenal midfield which is why Smith Rowe has had to settle for a place on the bench so Odegaard added to the watch list but I don't think he's the Arsenal midfielder I would go for I rate Martinelli higher I rate Saka higher as well. So Saka and Martinelli are the two most likely that I would buy if I was looking for an Arsenal attacker. But I went for Lacazette last week. I've got Ramsdale. So I'm trying to avoid triple ups wherever possible because of this COVID situation. Two Tottenham attackers added to the watch list. Heung-Min Son and Harry Kane both passed the eye test against Liverpool. Kane, good numbers. I think he had six or seven shots in that game. Son also on the score sheet, but should have had more. Son had had two or three big chances in that game. So promising signs. Uh, question about Son again later as well. But definitely, you know, had Son a couple of weeks ago, sold him when the Tottenham games got postponed. And I would like to get him back in at some point in the near future, which I think is the case for most people. Ollie Watkins also added to the watch list, having... 
bought him last week, sold him this week, but he is back on the watch list. Now, once Villa are back in action and once they get the Chelsea fixture out of the way, I might go back to Ollie Watkins at some point as well. So just a quick run through of what players are on my watches at the moment. I don't keep goalkeepers there. So defenders, first of all, Ruben Diaz, Rudiger, Kieran Tierney, Matty Cash, Dallow at Manchester United and Lamptey at Brighton. So not a huge amount of defenders because I'm quite happy with my defenders in my squad. Lots and lots of midfielders because there's lots of good midfield options at the moment. Kevin De Bruyne, Phil Foden and Gundogan. Hyungman Son, Mason Mounts. Madison and Barnes at Leicester, lots of Arsenal midfielders, Saka, Martinelli, Odegaard and Smith-Rowe, all on the watch list. Conor Gallagher, Mbumo and Ramsey at Astonville. I think Ramsey is the best cheap 4.5 option now. And forwards, very few, Ronaldo, Kane, Watkins and Broja. Unlikely to go for a Ronaldo or a Kane because I've spread my cash around my squad. I think looking at my squad for the weekend, it's something like Rafinha, Josh King and Livermento on my bench. So if, if no games get postponed, I've got a very strong bench, so I don't really have a space for a premium striker. And I don't mind that at the moment because I don't think Ronaldo and Kane have offered good value so far this season. So that is the watch list. That's the pool of players I'm looking at when it comes to making my transfers for the next couple of game weeks. This episode is brought to you by Michelob Ultra, the official beer sponsor of the NBA. Want to get closer to the game than ever before? Michelob Ultra Courtside is giving fans the chance to win exclusive NBA prizes and experiences like official gear, courtside seats to an NBA game, and more. Head over to MichelobUltra.com courtside to learn more. Twitter questions now. Thanks as always to everyone who sent them in. The first one this week is from FPL Bafana. If one still holds the first wild card, when is the best time to play it? Game week 19 or game week 20? So yeah, if you do still have the first wild card, you have to either play it for the Boxing Day fixtures or you have to play it before the game week 20 deadline. Otherwise, you lose it. So you've got only got two more game weeks to use the first wild card. If I still had it, I think it's because of the current situation, because things keep changing so much, I would just leave it, I think, until the last minute. Now, I would probably give it until game week 20, play it and give me 20 to have as much information as possible, but also because hopefully by then we'll have confirmation of a double game week in game week 22. So I think the closer you can play the first wild card to that double game week 22, you can set yourself up with lots of double game week players. And, you know, you could be in a very good position now if you still have the first wild card. You're probably going to play it in game week 20. And a lot of other managers are going to play their second wild card in game week 21. So it's it's probably a good position to be in. If you've got a decent rank or a decent money league position and you've still got two wild cards to play, you could be set to have a very you know productive couple of weeks and then still have that second wild card for later in the season as well. So I don't know how you've you've been so patient to this point not to use it, but hopefully it pays off for you now if you have been. But yeah, I would hold off and play it for game week 20 rather than for game week 19. Question from Cahill Doherty. Is it time to dump double Chelsea defence? And if so, which one to lose, Rudiger or Reese James? So I think a lot of people are probably going to move away from double Chelsea defence soon. A couple of reasons, you know, haven't been keeping too many clean sheets, but also the fixtures are going to take a turn for the worse in the near future as well. Short term, I think it's okay because it's Aston Villa and Brighton. But then after that, it's a difficult trio for defenders. It's Liverpool, Manchester City and Tottenham. So, you know, with those three attacks, it's hard to see too many clean sheets for Chelsea in there. 
if I had Rudiger and James, I think Rudiger is the one I would lose. To me, Reese James, in my mind, is still a season keeper. I just think he's one of the best picks in the game. And I'm probably going to hold on to Reese James right through, regardless of fixtures. Now, Chelsea could miss a couple of game weeks together for the Club World Cup if that goes ahead. So maybe we will lose all Chelsea players at that point. But at the moment... I'm thinking Reese James for me, just keep him. I've got Alonso, so I probably will lose Alonso maybe after the Aston Villa Brighton games before that difficult run of fixtures. So yeah, I think double Chelsea defence hasn't been amazing recently, and I think Manchester City is the team to have double defence from now. Question from Rocket J Squirrel. Is big at the back still a viable strategy? And if so, who are the preferred players? Yeah, it's it, it definitely is still a viable strategy. We've seen it in the most recent game week. Look at Cancelo, Trent. Chelsea guys got the points as well. You know, Ruben Diaz was on the score sheet. So absolutely big at the back is still in play and I'm quite happy to stay there. I've got four big defenders and Livermento and I can't see myself moving away from that anytime soon. Like I said, when I do sell Alonso, which I think will happen pretty soon, it's still going to be for a big defender, I think, rather than downgrading. Although... When the time comes, maybe I might need cash for someone like Youngman's son, so maybe I will be forced to downgrade. But at the moment, I would like to replace Alonso ideally with Ruben Diaz to go alongside Cancelo. So I think the ideal back four at the moment, Trent, Cancelo, Ruben Diaz, and I'm still going to put Rhys James in there as well. So absolutely big at the back is still in play. Question from Josh. Is it too much of a knee-jerk transfer to get Youngman's son in? My short answer is absolutely no. I think Son is a very good player to buy now for a couple of reasons. He scored in each of his last three appearances, so he's got the form. He could have had a hat-trick against Liverpool. If you haven't seen it, go back and watch the highlights and you know a couple of chances that Son missed in that game. Those are positives for me. He's getting into very good positions. I think a big factor with Tottenham attackers now, not just attackers, all Tottenham players, is the extra fixtures because of the postponement. So the likes of Liverpool... Manchester City and Chelsea have all played 18 games. Tottenham have just played 15. So Tottenham have three extra fixtures over quite a lot of the big teams in the league. So that makes the likes of Son and Harry Kane a lot more attractive because, you know, it's an extra, what, 270 minutes of game time that they could possibly get over the other players. And Tottenham obviously are going to be heavily involved in these double game weeks. So absolutely, I think Son is a very good player to buy. Also in the short term, I think the fixtures are good. Next three is Crystal Palace, Southampton and Watford. Crystal Palace have been excellent this season, but they do concede goals. I always expect Southampton to concede goals and Watford are one of the weakest defences in the league. So I think Son is going to be a very popular transfer in for Boxing Day if there isn't too many postponements. And he's certainly in my thoughts. I am hoping to bank a transfer for Boxing Day, but if things change, Hyungman Son might find his way into my team somehow. So yeah, I think Son is right up there now as one of the best players to buy. Question from Benno. Is Bernardo Silva a hold? Yeah, so Bernardo Silva has been a frustrating one for those of us who own him. Two blanks last two game weeks while City have scored about 10 or 11 goals, played only 45 minutes in one of those games. Couple of good chances that he missed and he is creating chances as well. I think he created four chances in the most recent fixture. So we've probably been unlucky not to get points in the last two game weeks. I do still think he's a hold because I just don't feel like he's ever going to be the weakest link in your team with so many games getting cancelled, players having to self-isolate and test positive and all that kind of stuff. So Bernardo Silva, to me, he feels like a boring 
hold at the moment. But in my mind, he's a player who could take over with five or six points quite often. And if he gets that, I'm quite happy. I think the other factors at Manchester City now as well, we've seen Grealish and Foden on the bench. And there's talk of off-the-field disciplinary issues, which puts me off those two players in the short term until I see them back in the City starting eleven. Pep might decide to punish them you know, for more than one game week, so maybe they might be on the bench again on Boxing Day. So all the signs are pointing to me. If, if you have Bernardo Silva, you probably keep him for the reasons I just mentioned. You know, Probably just reassess it on a week-by-week basis. But it's very likely that something's going to crop up between now and the deadline that you're going to have to make a transfer elsewhere in your team rather than, you know, selling Bernardo Silva. You know, Bernardo Silva, when it comes to Manchester City, he's going to be in that starting eleven, you know, as often as anyone else. So I think he's a, he's a fine player to hold. Yes, it's a bit boring. Yes, it's been frustrating the last couple of game weeks, but I've still got faith that he will, you know, continue to be good value as he has been all season. Let's not get cold feet just after two game weeks. Next question is from Ewan. With Martinelli emerging as another midfield asset, can we go without a Manchester City midfielder given the rotation risks and stick to nailed assets like Son, Mason Mount, Rafinha, etc.? Cancelo is playing so advanced and Diaz is chipping in with goals too. So yeah, I'm, I'm very much aligned with what Ewan says here. I think Martinelli is an excellent enabler now in our teams, whether it be a fourth midfielder in your starting eleven or a fifth midfielder as your first sub. I think we can go without a Manchester City midfielder now. If you don't currently own a Manchester City midfielder, I wouldn't be in a huge rush to buy one now because they're all fit. There's lots of rotation. There's discipline issues. And the flip side is, like you and mentioned, so you've got players at other teams that are just going to play every game over Christmas. Son, Mount, you could argue maybe he won't, but players like Rafinha, you know, Jared Bowen's another one. I like these nailed on players for the Christmas period. And Martinelli looks pretty safe in the Arsenal team now as well, given how well he's been playing. So I think if you don't have a Man City midfielder, I would quite happily roll without them. And as you had mentioned here, you know, he, he shoehorned Cancelo and Diaz into his question about midfielders. But Ewan is very much thinking along my lines as well as I've got I've got Bernardo. I'm not looking to buy a second City midfielder. So that means you know, if I want to get a third asset from from one of the best teams in the league, it's going to be Diaz for the double city defence to go alongside uh, Bernardo Silva. So I like that idea. I think Cancelo Diaz for the long term, you just plug them in and you, you could just leave them there for the rest of the season. So yeah, Manchester City midfield for me, it's not a hot property at the moment. Question from John Murray. Is it time to sell Smith Rowe or will his game time improve? Great points return for low game time at the moment, but it's high risk with so few minutes. Yeah, so I think it's I think it's 36 minutes in the last two game weeks and he's got two goals. It's not really sustainable. He has been, you know, massively outperforming his underlying numbers all season. Anyway, if I owned them, I would be worried because I think Martinelli can't be dropped at the moment. Saka plays on the right. Doesn't really have much competition on the right. So to me, it's it's between Odegaard and Smithrow to play, you know, behind Lacazette. And I think Odegaard has been really, really impressive. I think he's had his couple of best games for Arsenal in recent game weeks. So that puts me off Smithrow. I think if I had him, I think I'd be tempted just to take those two six pointers and just run now and get a player who you know is going to start games over this busy period, especially, you know, three games coming up in a week. I would rather have a player who you think 
has a good chance of starting all three games versus Smith Rowe, who might start one, he might start two, he might start three. It's just, you know, there's uncertainty there with Smith Rowe. So he's been good for you. I probably would let him go. And, and even a Gallagher now, I think I'd probably prefer him because, you know, he's going to start games more so than Smith Rowe is. Yeah, I think I would be inclined to take the points and run if you don't have bigger fires to fight in your squad. Question from FPL Locked In. Do we target Ronaldo this game week? So yeah, Manchester United are another team like Tottenham who've got extra fixtures now over some of the other teams. So that makes him a little bit more attractive. I think we will see a lot of people go towards Ronaldo the closer the deadline gets for game week 19 because it's Newcastle this week. We remember his brace against Newcastle earlier in the season. Uh, and it's not just a Newcastle fixture for Manchester United. The next five fixtures are good. It's Newcastle, Burnley, Wolves, Aston Villa and West Ham and Manchester United are likely to have a double game week in the near future as well. So I do think Ronaldo is a good target, but for me, and I know many other people, we're spreading our cash around the squad now to combat the COVID issues, to combat the postponements. Having, you know, 14 or 15 strong players is advisable. And if you're going to have 14 or 15 strong players, it's very, very difficult to fit in a Ronaldo or a Harry Kane or a Kevin De Bruyne. So for me, Ronaldo is still a no-go. I'm happy with Salah, obviously, and I like having my you know, my cash spread around the squad. But good luck if you go there. I think it's, you know, with the fixtures and with extra fixture to make up for Manchester United as well, I think Ronaldo could be a good option over the next couple of game weeks. But I won't be going there, personally. Question from Adam. Assuming Salah is your captain, who are the best options for vice-captain if a game is postponed? So yeah, it's got to be Captain Salah against Leeds this game week. Uh, I think it's a no-brainer given how poor Leeds have been recently. So yeah, you don't want to vice-captain a Liverpool player just in case the Liverpool game gets postponed. So looking at options for vice-captain this week, it's it's not as straightforward this week because I think nine of the games are on Boxing Day and then the Manchester United game is the day after. So the way things are at the moment, you know, go looking further ahead, let's say game week 20, for example, when the games are Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, you probably want a vice-captain a player on Tuesday because the game's less likely to be postponed, you know, close to the deadline as opposed to a Thursday game, for example. So vice-captains for Boxing Day, uh, probably a Manchester City player against Leicester, maybe a Cancelo again, Arsenal player against Norwich. So I think, you know, Martinelli, Lacazette, Saka, all those guys are fine for vice-captaincy. I probably wouldn't vice-captain Smith-Rowe because of the rotation risk. Son and Kane, if you own them, vice-captain against Crystal Palace looks good. Bowen and Antonio also, I think, are good vice-captains against Southampton. And Ronaldo, if you're going there, I think if you're if you're going Ronaldo, you'll be very tempted to actually captain him over Salah against Newcastle. But I wouldn't. I would just captain Salah against Leeds and I would vice-captain Ronaldo against Newcastle. So yeah, vice-captaincy is a lot more important now than it has been previously because of the risk of postponements. And we know Liverpool have had issues with COVID themselves. So I think they're they're they've got as much risk of their game being postponed as any other team. So if you are captain in Salah this week, make sure you don't vice-captain another Liverpool player. Question from John Carter. Should we be starting to plan transfers towards potential upcoming double game weeks? For example, double game week 22. Or should we stick with week by week reactionary transfers given the COVID disruption? I'm keen to build, but I'm not sure if it's a thankless task. So yeah, fingers crossed COVID will calm down uh, You know, by the time January arrives. I think we should start keeping game week 22 in mind now. Obviously, I need to stress it hasn't been confirmed, but it looks very likely that Game Week 22 will be a big double game week. And you can have a look at Ben Crellin's spreadsheets to get an idea of which teams are likely to have double game weeks and what those fixtures would be. So we're kind of stuck 
you know, between two things? Do we just react to COVID? I, I, you know, do we start getting players who are likely to have double game weeks? And I think when you are making your transfers, I, th- I think quite simply, just keep in mind the teams that have played less games. You know, Tottenham's, Manchester United's. You know, some teams have played. I think Burnley are another team. Fifteen fixtures. Uh, some teams have played sixteen fixtures, and then the majority have played eighteen if they haven't had games postponed. So just keep that in mind. And if you're between a player who who's played sixteen fixtures and a player who's played 18 fixtures on a 50-50 transfer decision, I'd probably lean towards a player now who's played less games because there's there's more potential for points there in the short term. So yeah, I do think we should start thinking about it. And I think one thing I'm going to try and do is trying to start rolling a transfer as often as possible. If my team is strong for the weekend, uh, which it is, I'm hoping if all games go ahead, or even if it's just one or two games that get postponed this week, I should be okay because I've got a strong bench. I really want to start banking a transfer and then hopefully arrive at double game week 22 with two free transfers. So then, you know, to really attack it and get a couple of players with two fixtures. Yeah, do keep it in mind. But we're going to have to continue, I think, to do the, the week-by-week reactionary transfers as well. So you can you can probably try and combine the two, though, you know, with bringing in players that will likely have a double game week. I mentioned captaincy briefly there. Salah captain against Leeds. I don't think you captain anyone else this week. If you're feeling frisky, Trent or Jota is the other place to go. If you've got Ronaldo against Newcastle, I think it's a pretty good captaincy option, but I don't think it's better than Salah against Leeds. And I don't think anyone else is really worth talking about in terms of captaincy this week. In terms of transfers for Game Week 19, as I mentioned, one free transfer, hoping to bank it with the double Game Weeks in mind. And if I do make a transfer for Boxing Day, it won't be until a couple of minutes before the deadline, as always. Best of luck for the Boxing Day fixtures, and I'll talk to you again on Monday. I'm going to record an episode very early on Monday morning, the 27th. The Game Week 20 deadline is on the morning of the 28th. So the podcast should be out hopefully for about 24 hours before the Game Week 20 deadline. And then I'll record another one on Thursday for the Game Week 21 deadline. So I will be having some downtime over Christmas, but every deadline will be covered in terms of a podcast. So keep an eye out for those over the festivities. If you enjoy the podcast and would like to support me as a full-time FPL content creator, check out patreon.com forward slash FPL general. I hope you all have a lovely Christmas and I will talk to you next week. And most importantly, stay safe out there. The Athletic.